Welcome to the Teaching Journeys podcast with Dave Roberts. A unique skill all humans have is the ability to share information across generations. And the Teaching Journeys podcast does just that. It creates learning opportunities with each amazing guest with a goal that each episode makes a positive impact on people worldwide. Before we hear from today's guest, please share this podcast with your family, friends, and colleagues. And don't forget to leave a rating, review, or both. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Teaching Journeys podcast. I am your host, Dave Roberts. And today, it is a pleasure to have as my guest, Emmy Vadness. Emmy Vadness, O-T-R-L, is an occupational therapist, intuitive healer, health coach, teacher, consultant, and writer. She provides holistic and integrative health care and intuitive development education to healthcare practitioners and organizations. She is author of Intuitive Development, how to Trust Your Inner Knowing for Guidance with Relationships, Health, and Spirituality. Emmy provides intuitive development coaching and training. She is the founder and director of the Holistic OT community at holisticot.org that supports OTs interested in or practicing integrative health, wellness, and prevention. Emmy is co-host of the New Thinking Allowed YouTube channel, with Jeffrey Mishlove, Ph.D. at NewThinkingAloud.com. She is also in private practice in St. Paul, Minnesota, and her website is EmmyVadness.com. Emmy, welcome to the Teaching Journeys podcast. I am so excited to have you as a guest today. Thank you so much for having me, Dave. It's a pleasure to be with you today. Emmy and I met through another mutual OT practitioner who also does integrative medicine and is a Reiki master, Becky Ostel Clausen. And Becky, I kind of look at her as one of the matchmakers in the integrative health world. She suggested, you know, you really ought to get in touch with Emmy. I got in touch with Emmy. Um, we I, we hit it off immediately. And I, I know I had been a guest on your podcast on a couple of occasions on your um, Healing Connections podcast. And um, it's, you know, we've been in contact ever since. And when I rolled out my old podcast, Emmy was on my list to have as a guest. So I'm just glad we're able to do this today. Me too. Thank you for wanting to share some of what I have to offer with your listeners. Well, as you know, from our, our previous discussions, integrative medicine is something that I have embraced, particularly in the aftermath of the transition of my 18-year-old daughter, Janine, due to cancer. And embracing holistic practices, spiritual practices, and integrating that with my already science-based belief system just expanded my perspectives and allowed me to embrace a, a world that, that I never would have thought existed prior to my daughter's passing. So, I, I and I'm a firm believer now in integrative medicine. I believe that is the wave of the future at this point. Oh, yeah. Well, and here in the U.S. or the West, our healthcare system has become, mm, well, for many decades, very physically and materialistically oriented, very much if you can't see it, smell it, taste it, touch it, it doesn't exist. And now we know that there's much more going on than meets the eye. And I'm so glad that you have found 
what's now being referred to as integrative health. I mean, before it was called complementary and alternative medicine, just because it was something that kind of fell out of mainstream healthcare. But now we recognize that so many of these approaches like yoga, meditation, aromatherapy, Tai Chi, various forms of energy healing, like Becky practices, I'm trained in Qigong energy healing, and she's trained in Reiki, that there's research that shows that they can help people. And now that they're a panacea, you know, we need all different mm -hmm. approaches. And what I've come to learn in my 30 years plus of being in healthcare is that everyone is unique and everyone needs a unique approach on what will help them. And furthermore, now that I've had the good pleasure of knowing, being familiar with the work and speaking with people like Wayne Jonas and Deepak Chopra, who are both physicians and advocates of integrative health, that really our health and wellness is up to probably 90 plus percent of our thoughts, beliefs, and lifestyle. So it isn't just, a lot of times we think it's our genes, but there's a lot we can do to stay well and live a happy and healthy life as best we can. Yeah, and I would agree. I would think particularly the way we view the world, our thought process, I think influences our physical health as well, too. And Dan Condren really alluded to this in a book called Permanent Healing, where he talked about that mind, thought, and, and physical health connection. And that if we can modify the way we see the world, modify our thought process, modify our belief system, it can basically lead to improved physical health outcomes. And of course, I always tell my students, I mean, that don't, don't disregard the benefits of Western medicine. I think what Western medicine mm -hmm. can't, can't account for, integrative, integrative health can't account for, and complementary practices such as yoga, such as acupuncture, such as aromatherapy. That in combination, I think, can improve physical and mental health outcomes tremendously. And those are just approaches and techniques, really, at least in my practice, the fulcrum around which I, I work in a great deal of the time is stress mm -hmm. and helping people with, like you say, their thoughts, their consciousness, because things like yoga, I mean, of course, they have many benefits, but we know that stress can be a killer and it can actually cause the genes to express in ways that a person might be predisposed to have a particular mental or physical illness. So I understand that some things are going to happen in life. And despite our best efforts, you know, injuries happen, mm -hmm. accidents happen, illness happens. But there's a lot we can do to be happy and well. Absolutely. And we can empower ourselves to do that. So for our listeners, tell us about the path that you took to integrate the science of OT with both intuitive development, holistic healing, and integrative health in general. Um, how did that happen? Yeah, so those are a lot, a lot of those are words that might, I'll just try to simplify some of those terms. So, so first of all, I am a licensed occupational therapist. I graduated in 96 here at St. Catherine University in St. Paul, Minnesota. and I really wanted to help people from a holistic perspective and occupational therapy at the time, other than becoming a naturopath, which I wasn't quite ready to move out of state. And quite frankly, I don't know that I believed in myself to become a doctor at that time. That was occupational therapy was the most holistic profession I knew of because it addresses the mind, the body, spirit, and OTs help people to function as well as they can with their, what's referred to as occupations. It's kind of a turn of the 19th to the 20th century term that really just means what occupies your time. It began in 
World War I where healthy, beautiful young men were sadly being blown up and having PTSD. And so the OT profession began to help these veterans to have meaning and purpose and function to their highest potential. And when I first graduated as an occupational therapist, I worked in long-term care because in the Twin Cities here, it was very saturated. So I couldn't get a job in like a hospital doing rehab where somebody had like a stroke or brain injury or some type of accident. So there wasn't that kind of like what might be referred to as sort of like a classic rehab cases for me to work with. So I worked in long-term care, which I love older people, but I wasn't able to really do rehab and recovery, which is what I went to school for. And I'm all about respecting, you know, end of life care, but that's really what I ended up doing, which is very different mindset and frame of reference from helping people stay well and, you know, live, live forever kind of thing. And it wasn't so much that I had a hard time working with long with end of life care. It was more that I saw people having their limbs removed from diabetes. I saw people going blind. I saw people having cognitive impairment, sometimes known as dementia. And I just thought, oh my gosh, I really, when OT school, I wanted to be on the preventative side of healthcare. But our insurance companies, at least currently here in the US, do not reward people for staying well. Meaning that we don't have any type of infrastructure financially to support people to stay well. It's very much on if you are sick, then you can enter into the system for health care. It's really an illness care based model, as as I'm as I'm sure you know. Oh yeah. <laughs> which is one of the which is one of the ways that integrative health shines. And so quite frankly, I got burnt out and I started working at a holistic health and wellness center because I started taking Qigong energy healing classes. Due to that, I took a continuing ed class after work one day when I was an OT and learned from two physical therapists, you know, very physically oriented in healthcare, that you can positively impact somebody's health and wellness without physically touching them. And I thought, well, wow, these seem like really credible people. They're very intelligent. They've been in the profession for, I think at that point, like 20 years each. So I embarked on an energy healing training. And lo and behold, I did discover because people would fill out a, an intake form when we had like practice patients, clients, and they would sometimes forget to put information on their form. But when I was assessing their energy, the auric field, their chakras, the meridians, I could hear messages and I would learn information from them that they forgot to tell me and it would validate. I, I could sense which meridians that correlated, for example, to a kidney. Now, I wasn't diagnosing people because that's not you know, my, I don't have a license to do that, but I was able to pick up on the psycho, spiritual, emotional, energetic components that were impacting a person's health and well-being physically and mentally and spiritually. I met a woman there who went on to become my spiritual intuitive teacher. And I started having intuitive experiences. One, a couple experiences were that I had dreams of two nieces and a nephew before the mother knew that she was pregnant. I knew what they looked like. I knew their personalities. So their soul visited me in dreams before they came to this earth, before an ultrasound, before the mother even knew she was carrying these cells in her body that were multiplying, that would become these humans. So I knew there was something going on. And I started training with my intuitive teacher. And I started listening to my intuition that told me that I didn't really want to work in those mainstream settings because I couldn't 
fully help people. I was expanding holistically in a, in a much more whole way how I was working with people than how I could in the fast-paced mainstream healthcare setting. And now I just want to offer that I have deep respect for hospitals, for physicians, nurses, all the people who work in those settings. I worked in acute care. I worked in all sorts of settings, inpatient, outpatient, bedside. And I have deep respect for that. However, I wanted to help people before they got so sick. And I wanted to help people also have a way to recover that just went beyond uh, basic components. Now, sometimes people, that's all they need. You know, sometimes they need maybe a few weeks to a few months of physical therapy, occupational therapy, speech therapy, whatever it is, and then they bounce back. Uh, but for other people, they need other types of interventions and support. And quite frankly, I think a lot of people mm, are disconnected from themselves. And so I've learned how to help people reconnect with their own soul. And that gives them more meaning and purpose. And it's given me more meaning and purpose in how I work with people. Yeah, and I think the the disconnect from self is something that has been, I think, probably more prevalent in the polarizing times that we've had. People are just kind of searching, you know, for meaning. Most individuals want to connect to something that's greater than themselves. They want to feel energized by a divine force. Um, and, you know, a lot of it, several individuals that I've talked to have, have had that difficulty. You know, they, they, they want to connect to something greater. They may just not know how, or maybe because they have intuitive ability, but don't actually trust their intuition, which leads me to my next question. Um, first of all, how do you define intuition? I know there's probably a variety of different ways to look at it, but how do you define intuition? And do you think that some individuals have trouble trusting their intuition? And if so, what do you see as either the internal or external factors that contribute to it or both? Mm -hmm. Intuition, very simply, one could think of it as your inner knowing. It's the truth beyond what some might say, or if you look in the dictionary, beyond conscious reasoning or rational thought. Now, I'm one who actually respects logic and rational thought. I think that both have their places. So I don't, I'm not just like have my head up in the clouds or deep in my soul or spirit. You know, I'm also very grounded in this, in this world as best as I can be, which, you know, one could argue what really is this world. <laughs> and uh -huh. some would say it's also a, a, a dream or a projection, a, a holographic reality of really uh, our spiritual truths. So that's a, a simple way of understanding intuition is that part of you, some refer to it as the small, still voice within. It's your inner wisdom. It's your soul's wisdom. It's your true self. And when we're children, we're more connected to that. And as we go on in life, depending on our parents or those who raised us, our environment, we may or not, may have not been supported to listen to that. Mm -hmm. And around the ages of four to seven, this is where children can have often frequently have imaginary friends. And if a child is told that's just made up and don't listen to that, that can kind of squelch their, mm -hmm. their intuition. It, it's always there though. And that's what really I, I'm really all about these days is helping people connect with that, which isn't difficult to do. So your question is, do people trust this? And I think that the answer is, is that 
most people, in my experience, do have intuitive experiences all the time. They may not always recognize it, or they might dismiss it, or they question it, or they doubt it. And for those listening, a simple way to think about your intuition is remember a time when you made a decision in your life where you knew that this was the right thing to do. And then in hindsight, 2020, like maybe a year or two down the road or 10 or 20 years down the road, you're like, yeah, it was definitely right for me to go to that school and get that education. Or it was definitely right for me to have that person become my friend. Or when you knew something wasn't right, but you did it anyway. And you're like, oh, I knew better. That's your intuition. Now, I do think, because I've had experiences in my life where I didn't fully listen to my intuition, but then I learned something in that process. So we need to be careful to not beat ourselves up, that there is that journey. And this is really, you know, it depends on a person's philosophy of life. My current philosophy is that we do come here to learn. We do come here to serve. We do come here to learn love, really. I think that's mm -hmm. the greatest lesson. And so most people could strengthen all people can strengthen how they intuit because everybody has a little bit different way of doing that. Mm -hmm. For some people, they're strong dreamers. For some people, it's a gut feeling. For others, they might hear messages. And of course, we also need to be careful from a mental health perspective on when is somebody, quote, hallucinating or when is it really their intuition. In my experience, most people, it's their intuition. And if somebody is really truly going through a psychotic situation, you know, there's, there's, it's what are these messages telling you? So intuition is always going to be for your and others highest good and greatest joy. It's always connected to what is the benefit for yourself and everyone involved. Whereas if you're going through hearing voices that are telling you negative things, that is not your intuition. No, that that's a, a symptom of, of, of a, a psychotic episode or uh, you know, individuals with schizophrenia will experience those type of auditory hallucinations. And just to be respectful, sometimes people may be picking up in a spiritual realm some other forms of entities. But again, that, right. that depends on your frame of reference. Some will argue that's just a part of a person. Yep. And the more that I've been, have had the great fortune of talking with many leaders in the consciousness field, we are all interconnected. Consciousness is beyond space and time. It's mm -hmm. non-local. So the truth is, is that some people, when they are picking up negative things, they could be picking up other people's thoughts or other entities, but you want to be able to be in the good frame of mind to discern. And that's really what comes with intuition is that once you receive the information is kind of feeling into what feels right. And over the years, I've been witness to thousands of people I've guided to connect to their intuition. I've been part of an ongoing practice group, my heart group, and I've talked to leaders related to intuition and spirituality and consciousness. And, and there's a, it's a great pearl or diamond inside. And the more that we can connect with it, the more you connect with it, the greater joy you will have, the more meaning and purpose you'll have, and the better decisions you'll make in life. And that was also a, a very good observation about that sometimes it may not be psychosis. It's just that individuals who are intuitive may be channeling the pain from other entities and this, this entities, and it may be from spirits who lived centuries before, they're channeling that pain and expressing that pain for a purpose. 
to, to send a message to society in terms of this is what, you know, this is what we need to look at in our fellow individuals and, and that sometimes mental illness isn't mental illness. It's simply you have an individual who's very intuitive channeling the pain of generations before them and, and you know, to, to inform society on a greater level that these are the issues that we need to deal with now or these are the issues that are relevant now. So I'm glad you mentioned that. And because um, I had, when he had mentioned that, that was the first thought that triggered into my own head. So. Yeah, definitely. And this is why many people, when they connect with prayer, meditation, will begin with an intention of some type of protection, mm -hmm. of some type of alignment with higher energies. And I know mm -hmm. you know all about this, Dave. I've read your book and, mm -hmm. and I know your good friend, Reverend Patty Farino. Yes. And so this is where we can then connect at a vibration so that we can connect with that higher divine love that is who we all are. Mm -hmm. And that is how we are all interconnected. And that's what I love about connecting with your inner knowing is that you are then on that frequency. Some may refer to it as God. Some may feel that they're communicating with angels, which is really messengers mm -hmm. of God. Um, so it's just a matter of, you know, a person's belief system. And, and also for those listening who maybe don't identify with any particular spiritual or religious practice, you may find that your intuition can be really strong when you connect in nature. Mm -hmm. um, that's a really lovely way to get quiet. When we connect with our intuition, we want to create an environment where we can have our mind be more still. And that's why meditation is one of the main ways to do that. It could also be taking a shower. It could be lying down in the afternoon and taking a nap mm -hmm. and just resting. And, you know, some people talk, talk about like, oh, I'm just going to sleep on it. I'm just going to think about this and I'll wake up in the morning or think about the times that you're really wrestling with a problem in your life or a question and you're just overthinking mm -hmm. it and worrying and analyzing it from all the different angles. And then you go for a walk or you maybe, I don't know, go to a friend's cabin for the weekend or something or your own cabin or wherever you might or go camping. And then you completely forget about it. And then all of a sudden you just, aha, have this fresh perspective. That's your intuition. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I've had that happen to me on a few occasions. Also when my intuition kicks in, I'll get like a chill down the back of my neck ah. or sometimes I'll feel a tightness in my body if the energy that I'm I'm witnessing is either chaotic or something that I don't resonate with or it's something that I need to avail myself of in small doses or just, you know, uh, not at all. So those are some of the ways that my, my body speaks to me as far as intuition goes. And nature is also great. I think research has shown that even a small amount of time in nature improves mm -hmm. clarity, improves intuition reduces stress. Um, and I tell my students and I tell anybody, it's not how long you're in nature is what you take away from that from the time that you're there. It's what comes to you, what occurs to you, what animals may have crossed your path and may have a specific message for you. It's what you observe and what you're aware of during that time. Yeah, well said. And I also think that intention is really powerful with intuition. Mm -hmm. So sometimes intuition will just bubble up in you. So 
You can go into a relaxed inner focus state with the intention of allowing an image to form, like you mentioned, seeing animals that can come within you to help you. So images and symbols are a great way to connect with your intuition. And it really also can be impacted with what you want to focus on. Mm -hmm. And then once you have a clear question or an intention that you want to get guidance on, then you can go into meditation or like you say, you can go out into nature and just kind of see what speaks to you. I mean, people will sometimes say, you know, God, show me a sign mm -hmm. and then pay attention to what happens over the next day or two. Or another example that I sometimes share, this happened to me where I was out shopping one day and I heard this song playing when I was at the grocery store. I went to the bank. I heard it in the bank lobby. And then I went to a third store. I think I went to a clothing store and the same song was playing. Now, this was over about probably an hour or so. So you, I don't think it was just the same music station playing the same song. But it was a song that I that made me think of a friend who had passed, a really good friend of mine who died from cancer. And I felt that they were communicating with me. Mm -hmm. And they were basically saying that they were with me and supporting me and loving me. And it was a really nice way to connect with them. Now, you don't need to have that happen, but these are, you know, signs, synchronicities, all of that. Meaningful coincidences are everywhere. It's just a matter of allowing yourself and maybe even having the intention of, I will be more aware of these occurrences and these signs and symbols and so forth in my life. And once we get into that wavelength of consciousness, those synchronicities happen more frequently. And I do believe that they can be great signposts that you are on the right path. Yeah, I think once we open ourselves to walking in awareness and realizing that awareness can be cultivated, you know, multidimensionally from a variety of different worldly planes, we, we just open ourselves to everything that the world offers. And I think one of the one of my favorite passages from the, the Afterlife of Billy Fingers by Annie Kagan is that when you realize that, and I'm paraphrasing this, that there are, are other dimensions, you won't look at life, death, and life after death the same way anymore. So once we realize that we can operate in a multidimensional universe and we can access that level of functioning at any time, it just opens up a whole new world of possibilities for us. I think it helps us get through challenges and also helps make our day-to-day -day life a lot richer. Absolutely. Now, your book, Intuitive Development, which, by the way, I'm using as a resource on my Care of the Human Spirit course, so thank you for that. Oh, that's um, right. Thank you so much for that, Dave. Well, it's, it's a marvelous book, and I would tell all my listeners, go wherever they sell books and buy this book. It's, a, it's outstanding. It's a great introduction to intuitive development. It's just, it meshes your philosophy in terms of integrating, you know, you show the science that backs intuition with any of the techniques that you, you talk about, which I think is great and, of course, appeals to me and would appeal to anybody who has a empirically based view of the world. But anyway, your book, Intuitive Development, with so many wonderful practical exercises to help individuals get in touch with their intuition. What inspired the book, and how can someone best utilize the content of that book to develop their own intuition? Yeah. Well, again, thank you so much for sharing 
my book with your students, I would love to at some point hear their response, what kind of response you're getting from your students on the book. The book really came out of many years of me developing my intuition and the many people I've helped. In 2006, I began teaching intuitive development courses when I left the integrative medicine position at Abbott Northwestern Hospital at the Penny George Institute for Health and Healing. And over the years, I saw how many of the methods that help people connect with intuition are approaches now considered integrative health. So like meditation, yoga, various relaxation techniques. And, and you don't have to do those approaches to connect with your intuition, but those can assist in that regard. I saw how connecting with intuition can improve a person's mental, physical, and spiritual life. I saw how it can help with meaning, joy, and purpose, which are great predictors for a person's health and wellness. So I began then teaching continuing education classes to healthcare professionals on many of these integrative health approaches that I have used in my practice with clients and for my own self-care. And I saw the relationship that intuition has with these approaches, meaning that yoga is all about connecting with your inner cosmos with the outer cosmos, or some might say the part of you that is God with the greater God. It's the union with the divine. It's connecting your, what you might consider your one light or spark of the divine with the greater and the whole. And that's that transcendent experience. And we all, we all long for that. Howard Kleinbell, I believe, came up with these spiritual hungers. And that is one of them, to have moments of transcendence. So the book grew from all of those <laughs> course handouts, the syllabus that I had for my intuitive development. And my intuitive development class grew to 50 pages, the outline for it. And I thought, okay, this isn't an outline anymore. No. Hey, besides, I've seen the uh work that I, some of my occupational therapy or, or health study students who are thinking of going to OT do and everything, their outlines are backed by research, probably three or four research sites every couple of paragraphs. So I, I smile because it, it's, it's very, very, it's science-based and it's, but it's also very, very meticulously annotated. So I'm not surprised you got a 50-page outline that turned into a book. <laughs> right. Yeah. As occupational therapists, I think have experienced that most people in healthcare, the practitioners, the professionals themselves don't fully understand all the ways that occupational therapists can help people. And so we've been trained to back everything up with we do with research and science and to show the efficacy-based approaches of how we can help people. So it just, my intuition told me to get the book out to the world. Quite frankly, I thought about going and getting an advanced degree up to a doctorate. And I thought, well, this book could be my doctoral mm -hmm. dissertation. But my intuition told me, nope, you just need to get this out to the world. That's what matters. And so for three years, I wrote almost every day for three to four, six hours a day. And I had beta readers, some of my friends and some of my clients read it. And then I had the good fortune of sharing it with some leaders in the consciousness and parapsychology fields. Intuition falls under parapsychology, who gave it really 
wonderful praise. And that gave me the confidence then to publish it. I self-published it. Well, it's a, it's a wonderful book. I mean, just, uh, just, just very comprehensive. I mean, anybody that wants to tap into their intuition, they have a variety of different techniques to choose from that can help foster that. You have very easy step-by-step instructions or guidelines in terms of how to incorporate it. There's exercises that individuals can, can do at the end of each chapter. I just think it's, it's a wonderful resource. And not only does it provide, I think, a roadmap to develop intuition, it also can provide a roadmap to help individuals develop necessary life skills that they need to get through their day-to-day lives, which is something that in any profession sometimes tends to get overlooked. We think that just because somebody wants to change, automatically we believe that, well, that because they want to change, they automatically know what they need to do. And that's not the case. They're coming to see us because they need the tools. And so often, that may get overlooked in therapy where we're trying to jump to solutions as opposed to giving them or exposing them to the skills where they can, you know, empower themselves to find their own solutions. Exactly. And that's why I wrote the book the way that I wrote it is that it, as an OT, as a sun sign Capricorn, I recognize how practical intuition can be. It isn't just head in the clouds talking to angels, which has its merit. But it's then it's literally bringing that into our lives. And another connection I just want to share about many integrative health approaches with intuition, what I noticed was that, for example, when I worked at the fast-paced hospital, we would rarely get more than 15 or 20 minutes with the person and they would be on the max pain, anxiety, medication doses they could be on. And they were still often having eight to 10 to 10 out of 10 pain. And by guiding people and simple relaxation, meditation, guided imagery exercises, maybe providing energy healing or a foot massage or reflexology or hand or back massage. Sometimes music therapy, sometimes a practitioner offered craniosacral therapy, but all of these approaches helped lower their stress levels and then therefore their pain. 80% of the time, 50% or more, their pain levels or their stress levels came down in under just 15 to 20 minutes. So that's where I recognize that the approaches that help cultivate intuition can help you, like you say, in a very practical way in your life, but they also can help you stay well, prevent disease. And also, if you are dealing with some type of illness, help you recover. Or if you do have a chronic condition, it can improve your relationship with it so that you can feel more well, mm-hmm. no matter what you're dealing with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I would agree. I think um, all of those those uh, integrative health practices that you mentioned can can have benefits for pain management and just overall health in general, boosting immune system function, increasing longevity, increasing our engagement with the world. Um, I, I think it has all of those benefits as well, too. So, and the other thing it, it's you, you mentioned about not having your head in the clouds continually. I think Ram Das says it's important to have one foot in our zip code and one foot in the spiritual world to kind of find that balance, you know, mm-hmm. um, to kind of find that balance between, um, you know, being grounded and also being transcendent. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I often think of intuition. You asked me a definition of it or at the very beginning of our conversation, I would say for me, it's also synonymous with love, meaning Mm -hmm. kindness. 
the more that, you know, if you're thinking, oh my gosh, when am I going to have time to meditate or how am I going to cultivate my intuition? Connect with your heart. You can just place your hand over your heart. Feel that love inside of you. Even just take a couple gentle breaths in and out and connect with the part of you, how you feel when you look at maybe a puppy or a dog or a cat or your loved one. And that is going to drop you into your, your intuition. So you can, I believe it's a journey to your heart, a journey to self-love, self-respect, and also loving, respecting others as well, which is not always an easy thing to do. <laughs> no, especially when we talk about unconditional love in the, in, in the human experience. That's a very difficult uh, a, a difficult state to attain for a variety of different reasons. Probably a lot is what occurs in the the uh, the, the the human contracts that we have with each other and the day to day conflicts that kind of prevent pre prevent that. But you know, we were born with love, and I think if we can we can use that as kind of our our guide to to deal with people, the world will be a much much better place. Yes, and that's why I wrote the book. Is I mean, my book. As what you just said is exactly how I concluded, is that it's really a journey to the heart and to improving your life. And the more that you can improve your life, the more that you can help others. And I also really wrote the book because, like you said, I do believe that the more that people listen to their inner wisdom, their soul's wisdom, their love, their kindness, the better your life can be and the better all of our lives can be. Because if people are actually, I mean, wouldn't it be, could you imagine a world how radical if everybody was actually living on purpose, if they were serving with their true gifts and what gives them joy or what they feel they need to bring to the world. I mean, how, how loving, kind, and joyful we all could be. And there wouldn't be any lack because we would all be there to support each other with, with our dreams and wishes. Mm -hmm. And I think when we commit to cultivating loving relationships, we are going to be more tolerant of those individuals who may have you know, differences in philosophy or are just different in general. I think that that cuts through all of that. Um, and I, I believe we're, the world is kind of going into a transition in smaller packets where we're seeing love being the, the norm. And I think, and maybe not in my lifetime, I mean, but I think we're going to see a world where, where it becomes all-inclusive. Tolerance, joy, and love are the norm rather than the exception. And that's, that's my hope. And so, Yeah, and I just had the good fortune of speaking with Carolyn Mace, who is probably undoubtedly one of the most well-known medical intuitives, although she's now doing beautiful workshops and teaching classes. And we just had a conversation recently. And she talked about how we need to move from our love of power to the power of love. Yep. And I think Jimi Hendrix had something very similar to say about that, too. But anyway, you are the founder of the Holistic OT community. Am I correct? Yes. Okay. What does this com the community do to create awareness about the benefits of integrative health care in improving physical and mental health outcomes or just integrative healthcare in general? Sure, yeah. So when I worked at the Penny George Institute for Health and Healing at Abbott Northwestern Hospital, 2003 to 2005, I worked alongside 
holistic nurse clinicians. There were holistic medical doctors or integrative medicine physicians. And in the nursing profession, they actually have a certification called holistic nurse clinician. So in my profession as an OT, I thought, why don't we have holistic OTs? So I started blogging about it about 12 years ago. I thought, oh, well, maybe I'll talk with maybe three to 10 at the most like-minded OTs. Well, it just blew up. People started contacting me. I started, I made a whole website. This is when social media was just growing up. So it grew up alongside with social media. And what it is, the Holistic OT is a community, the holisticot.org website, and it's corresponding social media and all of us involved. It's a community of like-minded occupational therapists who are recognize the benefits, are trained in, or want to be trained in integrative health approaches. I provide continuing education. I blog about benefits. I have a private group on Facebook. And through my continuing education, my intention is to Really, I would love to teach the whole profession. Mm -hmm. Right now, it is not a requirement for OTs to be trained in integrative health, which I think is really a mistake, quite frankly, by the leaders in the OT world. I'm very public about saying that. I also know that there's a lot that's already in those OT programs. So, But I also know that not everybody who are leaders in the occupational therapy profession recognize or know the benefits of integrative health. And so my community... This community of, of like-minded OTs around the world has really grown, I think, because the profession at large has not yet fully embraced it, although there are indications that that is starting to change. Um, and so I'm also advocating for that in the profession, which is my way of advocating for these wonderful approaches to be integrated more and available to all people through mainstream healthcare as well, not just paying out of pocket, which has its benefit, but it's a billion, probably a multi-billion dollar industry of these approaches. And we know that even people who've had strokes, for example, when I was in OT school, we were taught that people, so if somebody has a stroke and they have, let's say the right side of their body is paralyzed or partially paralyzed or they're weak, for example, we were taught that they're going to get their most gains in maybe six months from therapy and maybe to a year. Well, now there's research from a woman named Arlene Schmidt and some of her students. She's out of Fort Collins, Colorado that when people complete regular rehab program after, let's say, a stroke or some type of injury, and then our neurological, her research has been a lot on neuro, and then they do like just a regular 12-week community-based yoga program, mm -hmm. even if they have had their stroke 20 years ago, they start getting new gains again. So in my opinion, I think that it, is upon all of us healthcare practitioners to advocate for many of these approaches to be utilized by all healthcare professionals when it's appropriate to the plan of care, but they can be used from all across a lifespan in all different settings as long as the practitioner has been trained in them and it's appropriate to the plan of care and that the patient or the client has been taught the benefits. So we're, there's just a lot of opportunity with these approaches. And intuition, I think, is is one as well. And when, when somebody is guided into themselves or they get more quiet or they're able to maybe do a form, like I teach people how to make their own intuitive cards, which is basically a form of art or it can even be a, a considered like a art and healing or even therapeutic art or art therapy, that people can come to insights within them that can shift because I've learned, and I know you know this, Dave, that a lot of 
you know, we talked about stress, but a lot of that is the thoughts, our beliefs about ourselves, our unresolved griefs and trauma. And so our intuition is, it's like we can use the various therapies to shovel out the crap or to make our bodies stronger, our bodies and minds stronger, but then we can dive deeper and connect with that light that is our own inner knowing so that we can have more confidence going forward and be more strong mentally, physically, spiritually, and emotionally. You know, I think if we can quiet our minds, you know, we can, you know, minimize or manage the amount of time we spend in our head. I think our intuition will grow specifically because sometimes I think, I think if we think too much, our intuition tends to get dulled and our, our ability to respond to that tends to get dulled because we're in our head all the time thinking about, well, what could go wrong if I do this? What could go wrong if I do that? And by then, you know, you, you, that paralyzes you really for making any kind of decision. Exactly. And that's what that's why I was saying earlier that we tend to overthink, overanalyze, be too in rational thought. And what I've discovered, and this is where healing is connected to intuition, at least from my viewpoint, is that if a person does have a trauma from when they were a child or even a trauma that occurred as a young or middle adult person, or you have some type of major grief a loss of an individual, uh -huh. or it could be a home, it could be a job, it could be a dream, and you are grief-stricken and you haven't dealt with it, when you try to go and sit and be quiet, it's going to bubble up to the surface. So you need to address that. You have to address that. And I would also dare say that that is your intuition speaking to you. That So if you go into meditation and you're like, oh my gosh, my mom died when I was six and I haven't really gotten over it and I haven't really gotten support or I was abused or neglected or, you know, whatever horrible things may have happened to make sure you get support with that mm. so that you can address that so that your mind doesn't just keep going to that every time you, you, you tr try to quiet it. Exactly, because those recurring thoughts have come up that after for mind us of trauma or re-traumatize us need to be de dealt with. And I think a lot of the integrative health practices you've, you've talked about can, can free our body up enough so that we can do that because our body carries trauma in specific places, just sometimes how we walk, how we talk, um, just in terms of our body posture in general. We, we know somebody's had a history of trauma. We can see where they're carrying it in their body. So if we can help them develop some integrative health practices that can, that can help their bodies speak in, in a way that's in alignment for the goals that they want to achieve in their lives and to, to help them work through trauma. It is a great complement to the traditional psychotherapies and empirically based interventions that we already have. And I'm a firm believer in finding the balance between all of those worlds. So, Yeah, and everybody's different, right? Everybody... Everyone is unique on what they need and what they'll resonate with, what they believe will help them, what they're ready for. A lot of life is timing. And that's why I wrote my book the way that I did is that it is a journey to yourself, your true self. And it is, it can be a journey of healing and self-discovery, which is necessary in my experience in order for you to really be able to grow and expand. You can definitely connect with your intuition, but for it to really get strong and become stronger and for you to really reap the benefits of it. It's a, a journey of, of healing to the wholeness of who you really already are. Exactly. And we are coming to the 
end of our time. I could talk to you for another hour. Uh, perhaps we'll have to do a part two at some point. I mean, I'd love that. I'd love that too. Um, besides, you've had me on at least three times on your your the Healing Connections podcast. You know, we got to even the score somehow. So I got a couple of more couple of more appearances in you, so we can, you know, we can balance that out. But anyway. If people want to contact you about your services, find out how to purchase your book, what's the best way for them to do that? Just simply to go to my website, which is my name. It's emmyvadness.com, E-M-M-Y-V-A-D-N-A-I-S.com. There you'll see a navigation bar that has the word book, or you can send a contact if you wanted to get in touch for any appointments with me. I work individually with people, helping them with their intuition, with intuition coaching and healing. And also I teach classes as well. So if uh, people want to participate in a group, I have a live course coming up at the end of October. And also there are recorded options or after this class, there'll be recorded options as well for developing your intuition. And I'll tell you, if you're in St. Paul, Minnesota, or anywhere in the area, take advantage of Emmy's services. You will not be, you will not be disappointed. She is great, um, and it's just been great having you on the Teaching Journeys podcast. I mean, hope we can do it again soon. Definitely, yes. And if anybody, I also work remotely, so I'm happy to meet online or on the phone as well. So thank you so much for having me, Dave. It's such a joy to be here with you and all of your fabulous listeners. Thank you very much, Emmy. And with that. That's another wrap on another episode of the Teaching Journeys podcast. I'm your host, Dave Roberts, wishing you peace. Thank you for listening to this episode. And please remember to share this podcast with your family, friends, and colleagues. And don't forget to leave a rating, review, or both.